just seeking God. She's been studying all week and just saying, God, what do you want to say to our ladies uh, this Sunday? So it's going to be a wonderful time, and I hope to see you um, tonight. Uh, you know, as you, as before we dive into the sermon today, uh, I wanted to take a minute and read a verse to you. Very interesting verse of scripture. But before I read it, let me kind of set it up like this. So often when we come to church, if you've been coming to church for a while, you know that we get to this point of the sermon, we get to this point of the service, excuse me, you know that someone's going to stand up here and try to convince you to give. How many of you know that? It's not like a secret, right? It's like, that, that's what I'm doing right now, in case you were wondering, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. And it's so easy to look at the church and look at preachers and say, well, it's, it's all about the money and it's all about them. And, and, and you've all seen the stories of the, of the preachers with the big houses and the big cars and flying around in private jets. And it's so easy to get in our mind that church is all about money and people trying to get money from us. But here's, here's one of the things, and I just want to show you one quick verse of what the Bible says. There's a million reasons to give, but here's one of the verses that kind of comes against that because God knew that we were, you know, we're wired that way just a little bit. And so here's, here's what God said. You must set aside a tithe of all your crops. That's one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. So the first 10%. Watch this. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the church, where we come every Sunday, where your family comes. And the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be honored. Boy, wasn't it wonderful, and, and they didn't know I was talking about this today, but wasn't it wonderful we were talking about what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is, right? Uh, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? We're honoring the name of the Lord. That's what's happening right here. So you know you're bringing it to the right place. And watch what he says. And eat it there in his presence. Just to be clear, this applies to the tithes of your grain, the new wine, the olive oil, the firstborn males of all your flocks and your herds. Do this, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Here's what I want to show you. Notice what he says. And eat it there in his presence. This is the beautiful thing about the system that God has set up. We come and we bring our tithe into the designated place. We bring our tithe into the house of God. And yes, we give it. And yes, it comes out of our bank account. And yes, it comes out of the first portion of our increase. But here's what God said. It's not going all the time to other places and other people. You get to eat of it too. So we had a fantastic worship service this morning because you give. Our, our kids, I went over and, and, and got to talk with some of our kids' workers this morning before service while they were setting up. And, and our kids, uh, the, the place is just looking great over there. Why? Because you gave. Oh, we, we've been working this weekend. Our team's been working on uh, fixing some serious problems we've been having in our, in our epicenter, our youth room. They've been working result, to resolve those. Why? Because you give. And so your students will have a place to go and to worship God and to be engaged in the presence of God and learn about God. You're sitting here in a, in a, in a nice sanctuary. It's not 47 degrees in here but with the wind blowing because you give. This is the beauty of it. We come and we bring it but we all get to partake too. So everything, all the ministry that happens here, all the, all the stuff that happens, it happens because we join together as a body of Christ. And yes, he multiplies it. And yes, he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until there's no more need in your life. And yes, we send it out to touch people all over the world, but there's something in it for us too. You say, well, that's bad, Pastor Randy. There shouldn't be anything in it for us. Look, I'm just reading to you scripture. God said, we get to eat too. How many of you are glad we get to eat too? How, 
How many of you are glad we're not in an open air, like just out in the parking lot this morning, sitting, everybody bring your own lawn chair, and it's 47 degrees, and you're wrapped up to here, and we're trying to work, we're, but we're in a nice place, and our kids have a nice place, and our, our babies are being taken care of because we get to eat too. So with that said, it's tithing offering time here at Triumph Church. Uh, our ushers, if you would make yourself available, I want to pray today uh, that, that God would bless all of you and He would bless our, our tithe and offering today. Father, I come to you today and I thank you for every giver in this house, for those that are trusting in you to be a tither, and for those that, God, we're not there yet, but we're giving today. We're stepping out by faith. Lord, I believe that you're going to honor our hearts. You're going to honor that gift, and you're going to bless every person in this room. Lord, I pray that you would cause it to be multiplied. Let it let it every purpose that you've sent into this house for. Lord, when we send it into missions, let it do a good work. Let it accomplish its purpose. But Lord, when we sow it into this house, Lord, may we all eat and find enjoyment and grow and learn and be discipled. Let our families come in and be discipled in this house. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord God. I thank you that you're multiplying this offering today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, amen. Ushers, if you would assist us at this time. does something in your life. That's the kind of God we serve, and I believe that he is here for you today. In the seat back pocket in front of you, there's a guest card. It says, uh, and it, it'll tell you a little bit about who we are, but also if you'd be so kind as to fill that out, and uh, later in the uh, after the service, you can either drop it in one of the giving uh, buckets outside, or you can uh, bring it to our connection desk, and, and we would greatly appreciate that. It allows us to connect with you. It would allow us to uh, maybe pray with you, see how we can help you in your life. Uh, Triumph, why don't we take a moment and welcome all of our guests today. In addition to that, I want to welcome everyone watching online. We are so glad that you are here today. We love you. I pray that we would not be disconnected because of space, but through, uh, through technology, we know that you're going to hear the word today. You've already been worshiping with us, and God's going to touch your life. He has good things in store for you. I'm glad that you're a part of us. Stay tuned. Stay connected. Uh, if, if the internet gets cut off for some reason, stay, stay dialed in. Reconnect. You know, we're working on some, some things to increase the quality of our stream. So for those that are traveling and away, maybe 
maybe you're in the hospital today. We're working on some things. And uh, in the next few weeks, I look forward to increasing uh, the, the quality of what you're able to be a part of as you join us with Triumph. So thank you so much for being with us. Can we welcome our online family? Okay, uh, grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Open them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to dive off into a new series today. The series is called Tempted. Tempted. Because one of the primary tricks of the enemy, one of the primary schemes of the enemy is to tempt the people of God. We consider temptation the big ones, but the devil will tempt us with anything he can to get us out of the will of God. If you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, would you say amen? amen? Verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But when you are, attempt, are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When I was a kid, of course, uh, I, I grew up uh, in, in the day and age before there were iPhones and iPads. And, you know, when you went on a car trip for a long car trip, you know, you could, it, it could get pretty miserable as a kid. But my uncle had one of those uh, conversion vans. You remember, the, it, it, was, it was a teal green conversion van, had the, the big high top that went up, gave you a little extra room, had the nice captain's chairs in the back, had a TV and a VCR built in. We were, we were I mean, we were uptown. And in the back, you had the, the bench seat that you could hit the little button and it would fold down into a bed. Oh, can somebody say hallelujah this morning? Man, we would take trips, and we would fight to see who got to ride an Uncle Dave's green conversion van. Now, of course, you know, you, everybody has their own device, and it's Netflix, and it's Wi-Fi, and it's all this stuff. But, man, when I grew up, we were fighting to get in there to watch that movie and to, to lay down on that bed. And, but here's one of the things we did. We would play this game, and, and the way it worked is he had the captain's chairs that would sit here, and when you would put that bed down, it would run right up to the back of the captain's chairs. Okay, I don't know if you ever uh, got in one. And so the game was we'd put the seat up while we're driving, and someone would lay down on the floor this way, and then they would close the bed over the top of you. So now you couldn't get out. And the game was to see who could stay in there the longest stuck without losing their mind. I was terrible at this game. I'm, I'm fully convinced that it is this game that gave me a, a fear of tight spaces and, and being closed off. Uh, and so I would go in there and I would, you know, I, would, I, was, I was scared to death to get in there. I don't know why. All they got to do is hit the button. But maybe it was because my cousins and I were a little ruthless to each other and we might just like pull over and get out and go in the grocery store and leave someone there. I don't know. But I, I wanted to so bad, but I was scared. And I, and I remember as, as I would lay down there, I would finally get over there. Because I also, especially at a young age, I had a, had a pretty serious uh, ego problem. <laughs> I don't know if you could imagine that about me or not. 
but if you told me I was a chicken or I wouldn't do something, I would do it just to prove you wrong. So they would mock me long enough, and I would figure, okay, here we go, and I would lay down in there, and I remember as that, it felt like they were closing the lid on a coffin. I, I panicked because I don't like being closed places. I don't like being trapped. I, I don't like being in a place where I don't feel like I can get out. And, it, and it, wasn't it amazing? Like as soon as you lay there, suddenly you're like your toe would start itching. You can't reach it. <laughs> suddenly you feel like you know you, you need to bend your knees. You haven't bent your knees in hours. You've been riding along in the car, but suddenly you feel like you need to do things you can't do. One of the, one of the things I want to try and I'm building up the nerve to it, is I want to go to one of these escape rooms. Okay, I haven't been yet. I'm working up the nerve. One of the reasons I haven't been is because I need to find the right people to go with. <laughs> Here's my thought process on that. I'm convinced that if one person freaks out in the group, the group can handle it. But if too many people start freaking out, it's all going to go to chaos and think somebody's going to get hurt. So what I need to make room for is I need the right people in there because I need to be the one that's allowed to freak out and not everybody else. But I'm going to try it one of these days. Um, I, because, but I want to go in there. I want to see if I can get out. I want to see if, I can, if my mind will stay focused and sharp enough that I can figure out how to get out of the room. Because there's nothing worse for me than feeling trapped. It's one of my biggest fears in life is, is feeling trapped. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants to do to us. He tries to trap us. He, he wants to make us feel locked in. That's what he does with temptation. He wants to make us feel like we have no option except to do whatever he's trying to convince you to do in order to get out of the situation. He wants to make you feel like God can't help you, that no one else can help you, and you can't overcome it. He wants, he wants to trap you. Temptation is trying to push us in a specific direction in order to get its desired results. And usually those results come with a negative uh, context. For Christians, the temptation is pushing, pushing us towards sin. I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hands right now, but the question is this. If you are being honest today, would you say that to one level or another there is something consistently in your life that the enemy is tempting you with that you know shouldn't be there. I'm not saying you give in, but I'm saying is the enemy tempting you? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it pornography? Is it sex? Is it lying? Is it TV? Is it overeating? Is it spending money? Is it social media? Is it gossip? Is, is, it, is it chasing success or chasing power or chasing fame or chasing money? These, these temptations, and, and not all of these things in and themselves, not everything in life is bad, but when the enemy is using them to distract us, it becomes a temptation. Uh, I had a young girl a uh, few years ago, when, uh, when Lindsay and I first became pastors of Nederland and Beaumont. It's like second Sunday in Nederland. And so I'm trying to meet everybody, and uh, this this young girl comes up to me with her dad, and her, and her dad comes up, and he was one of our ushers, and uh, he's an usher and on the security team. And he says, Pastor, my daughter, she's about eight or so. She wants to pray with you. She, she asked if, if she could come to you for prayer. Can you pray with her? I said, sure. What are we praying about? He goes, I don't know. She just said she wanted to go pray with the pastor. I said, my God. So I, you know, I get down in one knee, and I say, uh, you know, what are we praying about? And her dad, he's leaning in. He doesn't know. You know, he's leaning right over her shoulder. He doesn't know what we're praying about. 
So he's leaning in too. He's, he's intrigued. And so I, I kneeled down and I said, what are we praying about today? She said, well, I want to pray for my dad. I look up at him and, and he's like, you know, I don't know. I, uh, you know. And so he's leaning in. I say, well, what are we praying for? She said, my daddy curses a lot. Pastor, you know, I, I work at the prison, and, you know, it, it comes home on with you sometimes, Pastor. I, I, I'm so sorry. It's all right. <laughs> how, do you, how do you pray for this? Where they're like, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we, we, we pray for this family right now. We pray for her dad. Give him strength to control his mouth. Let him leave that stuff at the prison, not, not bring, him, bring it home and defile their house and their walls and these innocent... E- no, I didn't pray all that. <laughs> Y'all are like, man, he's ruthless. No, I didn't pray all that. I don't know what I prayed. I got through it. I looked up. Hey, man, like for weeks, he wouldn't even look at me. Like I, I'd be walking down the aisle, and he'd go the other way. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it could be anything. You know, for, 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 for this guy, the, the temptation was, you know, he, he was running his mouth in ways that he shouldn't. And, you know, thankfully now he came to me and he's like, man, I'm, I'm, I've been working on it, Pastor, and I'm doing so much better. Um, but, the, but the enemy can use things to pull us away and convince us that there's no way out. Well, you, you, if you knew the environment that I worked in, you would understand why I act this way. If you knew the people I was around all the time, you would know why it just feels like there's no other way than this. You see, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Don't, don't think that the enemy will just use temptation in the form of sexual sins or, or the, the addictions you hear so much about. No, no. He will use anything to tempt you with that promises satisfaction but the cost of it is you stop obeying God. If it gets you out of God's will, the enemy can use a good thing as a temptation. Are you tracking with me this morning? Dr. Caroline Leaf says this. Um, she said that we have an addictive nature. She said as human beings, we have an addictive nature. And what the enemy does is he uses that addictive nature to pull us away from God. But the reason we have an addictive nature is not so we could get addicted to everything else in the world, but we were made to be addicted to God in the presence of God. You were designed to fall in love with Jesus and want nothing more than him. And yet the enemy uses that core part of who we are and he he uses that as a distraction and, and costs us our obedience to God. The truth is that temptation is the beginning of addiction. It's promising satisfaction outside the cost uh, outside of God. And when we give in to the temptation, that thing replaces God in our lives. Let's go to verse 14 here. I was, I was reading to you. and he's, Let's start in verse 13 again. He's talking about temptations. Temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. But watch what he continues to say in verse 14. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. He goes straight from talking about temptations to talking about idolatry. Because worshiping another God, worshiping an idol in your life, always starts with falling into a temptation. 
It's the first place it starts. We give into the temptation, and next thing you know, we're addicted. We're worshiping something else. We're giving our obedience to something else besides God. We start with desires. It starts with our flesh instead of God, thinking that will provide satisfaction, but it doesn't. But here's the good news. God always has a way out. He always has a way out. It doesn't matter what the, what the temptation is in your life. It doesn't matter what the addiction in your life is. God always has a way out. I'm going to give you four truths about temptation. But I think today, before we talk about this subject, because we're all just good, such good saved people in here, and some of you are mad at me already. I can see it on your face. We're going to, we're going to pray. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for letting us worship you, letting us praise your name. I thank you for filling this house with your presence and with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you today and to be challenged by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, if there's any place in our life where the enemy is trying to get in and tempt us, I pray that you would expose it in us right now, not to the whole world, but open it up in our hearts that we might know because it's your desire to, de to defeat the enemy in every area of our lives. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Truth number one about temptation is this. It is not a sin to be tempted. I'm going to tell you what I mean here, and I'm going to prove the statement to you, and then I'm going to tell you why it's important. It is not a sin to be tempted. For instance, I love sugar. Sugar doesn't love me. But if I walk through our our, our foyer out here in our cafe, and, and our wonderful team has donuts, which I absolutely love, laid out everywhere. They are so tempting to me. And if I give in to the temptation, I'm going to enjoy the donut. But that donut is not going to do my body well. It tends to hang around. My, my, I go to put on my shirt the next day, and the laundromat shrunk it again. <laughs> because the sugar doesn't love me the way I love it. But here's the point. Just walking by and being tempted to have a donut, I'm not going to get the result of eating the donut just by looking at the donut. I can't look at the donut take a good long whiff and take in 17 carbs. Can't do it. Just being tempted is not the same thing as eating the donut. In the same way, being tempted in your life does not mean you sinned. Let's look at this verse in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, watch this, Tempted in every way. Let me ask you this. Who's our high priest? Jesus. So here's Jesus that died on the cross as a spotless lamb, a sinless, spotless lamb. And yet here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. If Jesus had just had one sin, if he had messed up one time, if he had made one mistake, if he had broken one law uh, in the law of Moses, if he had sinned just one time, then when it came time for his life to be laid down and, and, he, and he gave his life, he couldn't have given his life for all of mankind because he would have cost him his life for his own sin. So here's what we know about Jesus. 
Jesus was tempted in every way. But he didn't sin. Why? Because there is a difference between being tempted and sinning. Well, Pastor Randon, why does that matter? Well, the way your brain works is you're tempted by something, and when you do it, when you eat it, when you say it, when you do it, whatever the case might be, your brain releases a little bit of dopamine, a little spark of dopamine that makes you happy just for a moment. It's why, it's why, it's why sin has, it feels so good temporarily, but later you end up with guilt and shame. I cannot believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. You know, you, you were at work, and, and somebody upsets you really good, and in your mind you're like, should I be a Christian right now or not? And, and you chose not to because you decided that Jesus went in with a bullwhip into the house of God, and so I'm going to be that kind of Jesus right now. So you, let, you gave somebody a good tongue lashing, right? And you just let it go. And it felt so good in the moment to get somebody told. For all the people that are not too safe to admit that was you, at some point in your life, can I get an amen? This point? It's, it's me. It's me. Um, I was never a fighter growing up. I don't really like being hit. If you, if you punch me, I'm probably like, okay, that's, that's enough. Let's, let's come out with it. But I, but I am fairly good with my words. So I, so I like fight with my words. And, and uh, you know, uh, so, so I, this is one that I've always struggled with in my life is to, ma- is to make sure that I don't just beat someone up with, with my words. But when you do it, you, it feels so good in the moment. You walk out of there with your, with your chest out. I got them told. They're not going to come at me like that again. And then later on, it's just you and the Holy Spirit. And you're like, what did I just do? Because immediately following sin, at some point comes guilt and shame. One of the byproducts of sin in the life of the believer is guilt and shame. Now, if you're not a believer, you may not feel any guilt and you may not feel any shame. But in the life of a believer, guilt and shame comes behind the sin. So here's what the enemy does. This is why I'm I'm separating these things. Okay. What the enemy does is he tries to convince us that because you were tempted, you've already sinned. Therefore, you might as well go ahead and go through with it. Because we tend to medicate guilt and shame with sin. If I'm feeling guilty anyway, I might as well get the enjoyment of the sin. This is a tr- this, the devil's sneaky. I'm not sure if you're aware or not. But this is what he does to us. He convinces you that because you've already thought it, considered it, made a plan to do it, you've been tempted, you've already sinned. Might as well go through it and get the enjoyment. But I want, I want, I want you to get this truth in your mind today. Being tempted does not make you a sinner. It doesn't mean that you've messed up it means it's time to start looking for the way out. Truth number two. Let me find my notes here. Truth number two. You are never above temptation. How many have been saved uh, more than five years? Raise your hand. Uh, More than 10 years, keep them up. More than 20 years, keep them up. More than 30 years, keep them up. More than 40 years, keep them up. More than 50 years, keep them up. That's, I'm, I'm not going to make you keep going. That's old enough. I've been saved a long time. 
I'd like to tell you I've been saved my whole life, but, but the truth is uh, I, gave my, I remember giving my life to God as a child. I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit at nine years old and my life changing forever. It's a distinct memory in my life. I was always in church, but that, that's at the time when I really believed that I, I, I understood what it meant to give my life to Jesus. I've been saved a long time. Been in ministry most of my life. At 16 years old, uh, as a senior in high school, our, 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 I came home from a mission trip and our youth pastor had been fired. And next thing you know, I was running our whole youth ministry. I, I, I don't know anything but God and church and loving Jesus and, and giving my life for the kingdom of God. And yet, even me, I am never above temptation. So, pastor's going to talk about temptation today. So, you know, um, you, you got, well, here's, here's what Corinthians said, verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. So all the, so all of you out there like me that, that think you're standing strong, I'm not saying you aren't standing strong. I'm telling you, if you think you are today, be careful not to fall because you too are vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. You, you, know, what I, you know what I find? And, and you, if you study preachers and if you've been in church a long time, you've heard the stories about big ministries who have had moral failures they normally happen right after great victories. When they go from riding the high of the anointing to the, the anointing falling, when we think we are standing strong, that's when we become vulnerable, and that's when the devil steps in with temptation. There's two groups of people in the church today. There's this one group that knows that we're weak. Pastor, I know I'm struggling. Pastor, I realized, man, I, I did not do good this week. I tried to do good. I, I've been having this, this, uh, this New Year's resolution, and I tried, but I failed this week. And you're listening intently, and you're desperately hoping that I'm going to say something to you today that will give you hope and help. Some of you in here, you don't, you don't care. You know you're weak, but you've just given up. You're like, I don't have any intention of, intention of trying. And my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart today and give you the courage to say, I can overcome the temptations in my life. But then there's this second group of people like me that think we're strong. So you hear we're talking about temptation today. So you're, you're sitting there thinking of all the people that you hope hear this sermon today. <laughs> you're thinking of how many people you're going to tag in the podcast and send it to them this week. Uh, I mean, you're too mature for this. You're beyond this message. I, I understand. You still read the original King James Version. Sayeth the Lord God. You're so spiritual that you're like probably play, praying for the person right beside you right now, dear Lord Jesus. Just, you know, my husband, like he just, he's been struggling for so many years, Lord. I just pray that you'd bless it. I, I know, but my, my encouragement to you is if you think you are strong, be careful. You probably are strong. Be careful. The, the, I love what the Apostle Paul said. He's warning us that no one is above being tempted or falling into temptation. He says, when you think you are, be on guard because that's when you're vo most vo vulnerable. We don't worry about our areas of strength. We think, well, we've got those because God said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for when I am weak, then I am made strong. So we think we're good. But Paul said, the trouble is with me, for I'm all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I want to do what is right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is the Apostle Paul. Man, if the Apostle Paul had to recognize that when he thinks he's strong, he better be careful than I should too. I think we ought to guard ourselves against the I would never statements in our life. Oh, I would never do that. Really? Oh, I would never do this. I would never do that. These declarations, we can end up tripping on the very words that we shouted out. 
Temptations are like rocks in the harbor. When the tide is low and you're going through the harbor, and when I was growing up, uh, uh, 16 years old, we had a we had a boat and we would go out in, in the, the, the jetties and, and then we had the Sabine Lake and, and then out into the, the Gulf of Mexico. We'd do a lot of fishing. And, and, and so when the, when the tide was low, you could see all the rocks. And when you can see all the rocks, it's pretty easy to avoid them. But when the tide would go higher, it would cover the rocks. And if you weren't careful, you would run right into a rock that you never saw. Listen, if you know you have an area of weakness in your life, you can avoid it. But if you think you're strong and you think there's no way you could ever fall, you're like that ship coming in in high tide. Be very careful that you don't fall. I don't want to speak anything over you. I believe you're all strong and you, and you all have the power to overcome. But my encouragement is never think that we're so good, we're so strong, we're so mature that we could never fall. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. Well, the Lord, he's just, he's just tempting me. He's trying to get me to, 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 to see if I'll uh, leave him and forsake him. No, 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 the God is not tempting you. God will test you, but he will never tempt you. There is a difference. Satan tempts, but God only tests. God isn't going to put a temptation to sin right in front of you. But he may test you with an opportunity to be obedient to him. He may test you with an opportunity to be faithful to him. Tests are meant to promote, promote you and to move you forward. Think about it. Uh, so my daughter's a freshman in high school. When she gets to the end of her uh, school year, she's going to have to take finals. I remember, how many of you remember taking finals? And it's the final test to see if you have learned the material and you are ready to move forward. If you can't pass the test, then you can't move forward to the next class. So here's what God does. He tests us in our life because what he's looking to do is promote us. I'm tired of doing algebra in my life. I don't like algebra. I don't like history. I don't like this. I don't like whatever the test is going on in your life. When you, when you pass the test, you can move on to something new. But if you fail all your tests, just like in school, what happens? you got to go do it again. That's what God does. God tests us, but what he's really trying to do, he's not trying to get you to fail. He's trying to promote you. That's God. The enemy, on the other hand, he's trying to tempt you. Temptation has a negative context. It is trying to get you to fall. It is trying to get you to mess up. That's his whole goal is try to try to get you to sin. God's trying to promote you. He's trying to get you to be an overcomer. He's trying to get you to be a disciple. He's trying to get you to be a son and a daughter of God. He's trying to get you into heaven. He's trying to get all these things. But the enemy is trying to keep you down. He's trying to get you beaten up. He's trying to get you destroyed. He's trying to keep you out of heaven. He's trying to keep you. He may not can cost you your salvation, but he sure wants you to be a defeated Christian. So you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God. That's what he's trying to do in your life. James chapter 1, verse 13. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. For God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. The enemy will try to convince you. He'll try to whisper in your ear, this is God trying to tempt you. No, 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 that's not God trying to tempt you. That's the devil. 
Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God isn't tempting you. That's your own desire. That's your own desire. It's not God. It's me. The enemy is using the desires in my own heart, in my own flesh. God doesn't tempt us, but he will use temptation. If you've been, if you've been tempted, God, God doesn't cause it, but he does cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And he'll use it. To, every, every temptation can become an invitation to depend on Christ. Every time you're tempted, it can be an opportunity to say, today I'm going to depend on God for a way out. Number four, are you learning anything today? There is always a way out. And I want to emphasize this word here, always. The enemy tried to convince you there's no way out of this one. Oh, you had a way out last time, but there's no way out this time. No, there is always a way out. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. Doesn't matter how ugly it gets. There's always a way out. Here's what he says. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. For when you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He's going to show you a way out. I love what he says, though. He starts with these words, and God is faithful. You've got to get this God is faithful part. Because if you don't believe God is faithful, then it's pretty tough to to believe the next part. God is faithful. He's going to show up every time. He's going to produce a way out for you every time. No matter how deep you've gotten in, when you look up to God and say, Lord, I'm deep in it now. I'm further than I ever meant to go. I need a way out. He's going to open up an exit for you to get out of this situation. I, I, uh, you know, we, we often talk, when we talk about the blessings of God and we talk about the promises of God, we think about healing, we think about financial blessings, we think about peace, we think about all these wonderful things, and they're good. But one of the greatest promises of God is that no matter what situation you get yourself into, he promises a way out so that you can endure. I love the word endure there because it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean he's just going to walk by and pluck you out and deposit you in a better situation. You're going to have to endure some things. You might have to endure some people looking at you going, what are you doing? Why are you leaving now? Why are you stopping now? You may have to endure some difficulties, but he will give you a way out every single time. He's faithful in that way. Man, it's going to be tough to not give in. Am I sure I want to do this? You know what? That's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's trying to help you. When, the, when he starts speaking to you, he says, well, I've never heard from God. I'd be willing to bet that the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. When you know something is not what you're supposed to be doing, and, and the enemy's pulling on you, and the Holy Spirit's inside of you saying, you, you, you don't have to do this. And we think we're arguing with ourselves, but what we're really doing is arguing with the Holy Spirit, trying to lead you another way. He provides a way out. You know, I was driving down tra- the, the road, and I'm going down the highway, and I'm, and I'm flying along, and it's 70 miles an hour, and everything is good, and suddenly I see up on the hill red lights and traffic starting to back up. And it's like, oh, man, I'm late. i got to get to where I'm going. And instantly, you see to your right there's an exit. The question is, do you plow through or do you take the exit and try to go on the feeder road and save time? How many have had to make that decision before? You see the traffic stopping. There's an exit. Do I get off or do I think I can make it through? In, in, in my life, following God, 
I, I, I normally don't get surprised by temptation. At this point, 37 years old, been living for Jesus a long time. I don't normally get surprised by temptation. I can see it coming. And the question is, do I try to act like I'm strong enough to bail through it and, and just wait it out and just do it the hard way? Or do I just take the exit that God provided? Take the exit. Take the exit. He always provides a way out. It's not a sin to be tempted. You're never above temptation. God will never tempt you, but he will always provide a way out. I remember laying there in that green van, fighting back a full-on panic, counting in my head how many seconds because my competitive drive to win was at war with my panic for being in a tight place. One, two, three. Then you start to pick up the pace a little bit. Four, five, six, seven. But here's the thing. As hard as that was for me, all I had to do was say, raise the couch. And there was a friend there was a cousin, there was a brother, there was a sister, there was an aunt, there was an uncle, there was somebody that would just hit that little button and immediately I could get out. And what we've got to know in this is this. We have a high priest that has been tempted in every way. He's seen everything you've gone through. He understands everything you're facing. And if you are in life and you're caught up in these temptations and you're just struggling and you, and, you, and you feel, even right now, maybe I mentioned your temptation and maybe I didn't, but the Holy Spirit, he speaks to our hearts and he illuminates things in us. He exposes places in our life where the enemy's trying to get in. And right now, you, you just feel that closed-in feeling like you don't know how to get out. Can I encourage you that today, just say, Jesus, I need some help. For when we are weak, when we recognize this, that's when God's, that's when Christ is made perfect in us. It's not made perfect when we're trying to be the strong one. It's made perfect when we say, God, I'm weak and I'm struggling and I need out of this situation. Holy Spirit, do, do what you can right now. See, there's people in the room today and people watching online. And you have these massive dark secrets, secrets that no one else knows about. God knows and you know, but you've hidden them. Maybe you've even hidden them from your spouse. Or maybe you're the person that has family secrets, secrets that you're holding for someone else. You're, you're covering from someone. You're overcompensating. You all know, but no one else does. It's a well-guarded secret, so you're carrying this thing. And you're trying to hold on to it, but it's, it's weighing on you. Then there are people in the room that you have a sin and everybody knows. Now that everybody knows, you've given up trying. You've resigned to, well, this is just how it's going to have to be. People are just going to have to accept me with my problems, accept me with my sin, accept me with my issues. Maybe you're in the room today. And your temptation is not big, it's not huge, it's not gross, it's not one of the ugly sins that would make people look down on you, but in your heart, you, you know it's a sin, you know it's something that's costing you your obedience to God. Something that's been with you. You see, temptation, it, it can just speak to us all day long. 
They could just be in our ear speaking to us all day long. We're living life, but the temptation is speaking to us in our ears. Sometimes that voice is strong. Sometimes it's quiet. It could be big. It could be small, but you're sick of that temptation dominating you and trying to control you. Today, I believe we serve a God, and he's here, and he's more powerful than, temptation, than the temptation in your life, and he can remove it today. Temptation can end. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head with me for just a moment. If you're, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I Maybe you're one of those four groups, massive dark secrets, family secrets, things that everybody knows, and maybe things that are not big, but you say, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. I want to ask you to do something bold. I want to ask you to be real. I want to ask you to be honest, because we're only as strong as we are honest. If you say, today, I want to be done with this temptation in my life, whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit's dropped in your heart right now, I just want you to shoot your hand up really quickly. Shoot your hand up. Yeah, there's hands going up all over this building. There's hands going up all over right now. Today is the day. Temptations are ending. They're going away. You have the power to overcome. You can put your hand down right now. Father, I pray and I believe because I know that you are a God that is strong and you're powerful. And God, you, you went through the temptations and you overcame them. And you're here today totally in love with every one of us. Lord, you know our struggles. You know the battles we're fighting. And even when we're winning, we're exhausted from the battle. We're exhausted from trying to endure. Lord, I believe that right now you're stepping in and you're providing a way out and exit, Lord, and things are getting better right now. Lord, I believe that today you are breaking the back of sin and you are breaking the back of temptation. You are breaking the chains of things that have held us, some for many years, 10, 20, 30, 35 years, things that have held us in a way that, that we don't want to be this anyway. We love you with all of our heart, but we're struggling with the temptation. Today it's broken in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you overcame. And today you're releasing your power to overcome in our lives. The dark things, the massive things, and the small things, the things that everybody knows and the things that no one knows. Today is a new day. And we know when we get out of here that the enemy is going to try to bring it back, but we have a new power. We know that just because we're not tempted, we haven't sinned. And the enemy's not going to convince us of that lie, but we are strong enough to overcome every temptation of sin. Holy Spirit, fill your people today. Fill me, fill me, Holy Spirit. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord this morning. <laughs> Pastor Randy, we're a bunch of saved people. We don't need to hear about temptation. You're probably right. You just keep praying for the people around you. I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about exposing specific attacks of the enemy. I, talk, I want to talk to you about one of my greatest temptations. I, I hinted at it tonight, but I'll tell you a little bit more about it. And I want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit in overcoming temptation. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this is one, one of the core things in my life. If you were to take this Bible and I were to hand it to you, and not knowing anything about God, not knowing anything about the Bible, not knowing anything about the disciples or Jesus, you would read this book and you would come back and you would tell me, I don't know exactly maybe who or what the Holy Spirit is, but it was vital. 
to the early test early church and the New Testament church. It was vital to them having power to see miracles in their life and power to overcome and power to endure and power to see the kingdom of God advanced. That's what you would be convinced of. And my, and my heart is, I don't want any of us to be people doing our best to live for God without the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that the helper may come. You have an advantage, and I want to make sure you know you're using that advantage. It's, it, it's not cheating. It's what Jesus left. It's using everything that he gave us. And one, one of the greatest tools is he gave us the person of the Holy Spirit to walk with us every day. And I want to talk to you about that. How many of you like to learn about how the Holy Spirit can help us every single day of our life? So it's so easy to get caught up with the Holy Spirit, just, you know, well, speaking in tongues, it's working of miracles. Listen, sometimes overcoming temptation is a huge, huge miracle. Getting free from alcoholism is a massive miracle. Getting delivered from drugs is a massive miracle. Getting the, the chains of pornography broken off of your life is a massive miracle. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Stand with me, if you would, this, this morning. Don't forget, uh, we've got our, our, our uh, small group sign-ups happening over here. Uh, uh, I'm doing a group for businessmen and, and biz, uh, uh, men in business, owners and managers, along with my friend Michael Bergen. And uh, I didn't get into the book because I'm a slacker, and I really i am sorry, and, and I, I apologize here in the presence of the Lord God and all of you. But I do, do have a sign-up sheet over there, and I'd love to talk to you about it more. But go see all of our, our small group leaders. Get signed up today in ladies. Don't forget about a great service tonight. I want to bless you before you go. And then our pastors and elders, our prayer partners are making themselves available. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ryan, I've come here and I need to be set free and I need to be delivered. Maybe you've got something you need healing in your body. The power of God is here. He cares about your life. These altars will be open in just a moment. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and may he give you his peace and may he put his name, the name of Jesus on you. And all the congregation says, God bless you. These altars are open. Don't forget to go sign up. Influence will start in just a few minutes. I'll see you this week. Jesus.